All right, good morning, church. How we doing? Let's try that again. Good morning, church. How we doing? Come on, man. If you aren't fired up yet, you aren't plugged in. Let's get going. Come on. Are you excited to be here today? Man, I tell you what, uh, this is awesome. This is awesome. Man, what a privilege and an honor it is to be here. You guys got a great team. I've been here like 30 minutes and I want to move to Alabama. And uh, man, I just feel like God is doing something. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's doing something. God is doing something. We're here and it is an honor. Just want to thank your pastor, your youth team. Man, isn't it incredible to see your youth pastor and children's pastor up here? Can we give those guys a round of applause? I just want to thank them. I want to honor them. In fact, I'm sitting here this morning and I realized that the second service was going to be the youth. This service is a little bit more of the adults. And I'm sitting here and praying and I'm like, God, would you move? And, uh, and I totally changed what I was going to talk about this morning. Literally sitting there during worship, I'm like, God, I just, I want people to know how they can be a part of this. How they can be a part of this. Because sometimes it's like we see God moving in our young people and we're like, God, I want some of that. Anybody feel that when you see that video this morning? You're like, man, I missed out last night. You're like, I want to get in that baptism tank. Come on. This is exciting. And uh, man, I'm just, I'm fired up. Anybody got teenagers or college kids here? How many, where are the parents at? Where are the grandparents at? Teenagers, how many of you guys wish you were a teenager? Okay, okay, man, we're all here. We're all here together. We're all united together. Well, let me just tell you a little bit. I am from North Dakota. How many of you guys have never met somebody from North Dakota before? Look at that. Listen to that. Man, we are family right now. I'm telling you, there's revival on many fronts happening this morning. <laughs> Listen, I'm from North Dakota. North Dakota has 600,000 people in our whole state, okay? It's not a big state. But how many of you guys know God loves to use unlikely people from unlikely places to do things so that he gets the credit? So 12, 13, 14 years ago, we were college kids up in North Dakota, and we started to pray. And, uh, and God started to move. Because when we pray, God moves. When we pray, God moves. Somebody told me once, an old mentor, he said, Nick, your knees are the door knockers of heaven. And I said, oh man, I got a knock. I got a knock. And I come from a legacy of faith. My grandparents, when I was a little boy, I knew that grandpa and grandma were people of prayer. My grandfather was a circuit preacher up in rural North Dakota. He was the county clerk no one ever knew him, no one ever knew about him, but he would go around to rural churches in North Dakota. Anytime they'd need a preacher, he would go and preach. And uh, they were men and women of God. And I was a little boy, I remember going to grandpa and grandma's house. And I remember late at night, sneaking upstairs. And uh, I was going for two things. One, I was trying to find grandma's cookies. And two, I was going to see if the rumors were true. See, because I'd heard that my grandparents were on their knees every night praying for us by name. And so I'd sneak upstairs and I'd try not to make noise. I'm sure they probably heard me coming, but I'd look through the crack of their door and there they'd be on their knees, praying for every kid, every grandkid, praying for people in their life that needed Jesus. And I just believe that there's something that happens when generations come together. Does anybody believe that? Man, this is about old and young coming together to lift up Jesus. And so as a college kid in North Dakota, we were praying for revival. We're saying, God, our generation needs you. We can't do this without you. We started to pray every week. We started to challenge, say, God, we need you to move on our campuses. We need you to save our generation. You see, students were walking away from the church. Students were getting drunk and high and sleeping around. And these are a lot of our church kids. 
How many of you guys know a church kid that has fallen away? Some of you, it's maybe your kid. And we started to say, God, we need you to move in us. Because revival starts here. And we started to pray, and out of those prayer meetings, God birthed a movement. I wrote a paper in my English class on my secular university, and the paper was called Pulse. And, uh, and we started to say, man, what would happen if we rallied as students on our campus? And that one prayer meeting turned to two prayer meetings, turned to five prayer meetings, turned to ten prayer meetings. In fact, we had a goal. We want a prayer meeting every day. So we had one every day. We're like, okay, let's get one going every morning and every night. And we had 14 prayer meetings. And then our prayer strategy was, we would go up to people and say, God's moving. Are you a part of it? They said, no, what can I do? What can I do? We say, man, it starts with prayer. If you have to choose to be involved somewhere, if you're choosing between volunteering or being involved or a prayer meeting, we want you in the prayer meeting first. That's the prerequisite for being on one of the service teams because we are prayerful or we're prideful and we want to put our priority where it matters most. And so we said, let's pray. And so we go to people and say, man, are you a part of it? You got to get a part of these prayer meetings. And they would say, oh man, none of those times work for me. You know, college kids, they're so busy. You know, it's amazing how busy young people are. They got all the time in the world, but they're so busy. And we say, oh man, what time is available? They say, oh man, I only got one time. It's at one o'clock on Tuesdays. We say, that's amazing. A prayer meeting just started. One o'clock on Tuesdays. And you are invited. You know, and then we'd go figure out who was going to lead that prayer meeting and where it was going to be. But man, we ended up having 22 prayer meetings launched on our campus. And you know what happened? When we pray, God moves. We had 600 students trained to share their faith. We had 100 students come to Christ before we even did an outreach event. We started to book the biggest venues on our campus. 8,000 students came out and 1,200 kids came to Christ. On our campus up in North Dakota. Because when we pray, God moves. And then that prayer meeting and that movement spread across our state. Again, 600,000 in our whole state. We had 50,000 students come out as we went to every campus in North Dakota. We went to the First Nations campuses. We went to the small campuses, the big campuses. We went everywhere. We had one event on a a, a tribal college in rural North Dakota. They didn't even have a gym. The only venue we could go to was in the casino. So we didn't tell any of our supporters we were going there because we didn't think they would understand. But we're like, man, wait a second. There's sinners there. Can we go there? We're like, wait, that sounds like something Jesus would do. Let's go preach the gospel in the casino. And so that night, we had an outreach event in the casino, and people were leaving the slot machines to come to the outreach event and getting saved. And I want to tell you, when God moves, it doesn't fit in our walls, because God calls us outside. See, it can't stay here. It's got to go there. It can't stay here. It's got to go there. And so now we've been on this journey. Pulse is now a ministry. We're doing events across the country and around the world. We had 30,000 young people come in Belarus uh, in the former Soviet Union this summer. It's a communist nation. We got to go do the National Youth Day. And I got to preach the gospel with all these communist guys with machine guns this summer up around the stage. And again, all because a couple teenagers were stepping out in faith and saying, God, we need you. This is a global movement. Last summer on the National Mall in Washington, D.C., we had half a million young people come. From all 50 states they came. We didn't even set up the technology very well, but we had people from 180 countries live stream the event. And so I go across the country and around the world, I tell people, man, this is a revival generation. Does anybody believe that today? We believe it. And we got to get in on it. We got to get in on it. So listen, real quick, I just want to tell you, I got a book in the back, 
It's really just to encourage you about what God is doing, and it talks about some of the things that's happening, okay? We had 300,000 young people pray what we call a reset prayer. We said God's offering a reset to this generation in our day, and then we categorized these teenage prayers into eight categories. We built up curriculum and resources, so it's stories of a modern-day movement, okay? So you can check that out in the back. But I'm just going to start. I want you to open up your Bibles with me if you have them here, which I hope you do. Open up your Bibles to Psalm 24. Psalm 24 uh, was one of our favorite psalms when we were getting started as students. We used to always say we want to be a Psalm 24 generation, a generation that seeks the face of God, a generation that's all in. And so I just want to paint a picture for us this morning of what a revival generation looks like so that we can get a part of it. Okay? You guys okay with that? All right. So this is Psalm 24. This is David. David says this. He says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas. That's good. I like this. We're standing for God's word. I appreciate that. Let's just, let's just get into this. Let me pray quick. God, we love you and we need you. And we invite you, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit to equip us, Lord, to join you in what you're doing. Lord, we want to be a part of it. So would you show us, God, how we can get involved? It's in Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, Psalms 24 says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. He founded it upon the seas, he established it upon the waters. David says, who may ascend the hill of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false, he will receive blessing from the Lord vindication from God, his Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. So lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is he, this king of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the king of glory. You guys can have a seat as we give a hand clap for the word of God. He is the worthy one. He is the worthy one. Now, I just want to read a couple quotes real quick as we dive into this. These are a couple quotes that are inspirational for me. This is an old revivalist by the name of Leonard Ravenhill. He says this, No man or no woman is greater than their prayer life. He says, The pastor who is not praying is playing. The people who are not praying are straying. We have many organizers, but few agonizers. Many players and payers, but few prayers. Many singers, few clingers. Lots of pastors, few wrestlers. Many fears, few tears. Much fashion, but little passion. Many interferers, but few intercessors. Many writers, but few fighters. Failing here in the area of prayer, we fail everywhere. 
Psalm 24, David says, this is what a revival generation looks like. It's what a Psalm 24 generation looks like. And I want to tell you, there are common themes for every revival movement. Okay, so I want you to write down, if you're looking for how can I get involved in the revival in my church, in the revival in my day, in the revival that's going on right here at your church. And I just want to tell you, I travel, I'm in churches every weekend, I'm traveling from city to city, state to state, across the country. What's happening at your church right now is not happening everywhere. We need to pray it overflows into the other places, but what's happening here is an invitation from God to you that you can join in. So rather than you focusing this morning on all that is not right in this church, because I'm sure it's not a perfect church, because if it were, you wouldn't be here, right? I just tell people, if you find the perfect church, don't go there because you'll mess it up. No, 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 this is not, there's no such thing as a perfect church. We're not perfect people. We're a broken people looking to the perfect one. And so we're not here, man. We got too many Christians pretending to be perfect when they're not. We got too many fake smiles and fake praise gods and fake amen, hallelujah, brother, all is well, when we're struggling and we're hurting and we need Jesus. The truth is we need help. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need help. Some of you have been wanting to say that for a while to your spouse. Man, I like to tell people, man, we need divine intervention. And the good news is that's what God offers. That's what God offers. You know, we got this saying, right? Oh, man, it's a God-forsaken hour. I'm so thankful there are none of those. God is with us in our brokenness, in our weakness. And so today, when we give an invitation to come to the altar, if you need things to be put back together, you come. If you're struggling with your faith, you come. If you need prayer, you come. Because, man, none of us are perfect. David... He says this perspective of a Psalm 24 generation. Number one, I want you to put, if you're looking for how you can be involved, number one is pray. Pray. I'm asking you, are you praying? And specifically, are you praying for the leaders that are coming after you? I want you to pray for the lost, and I want you to pray for young leaders. The lost and young leaders. The lost and young leaders. Say it. The lost and young leaders. Now, I gave you a prayer card. Did you just get this prayer card? Have we handed that out yet? We're going to hand this out. I think the ushers were going to come and hand these out. It says keep five. They're going to hand these out right now. This is a prayer card. The Billy Graham team used to do a thing called Operation Andrew. You guys ever do Operation Andrew? Okay, Operation Andrew was this strategy to pray for people in our lives who need Jesus. Now, this is a tool for you to remember to pray for the lost in your life. Because when revival happens, it always overflows outside of the body. And that's what we start to call awakening. Revival is for the church. Awakening is for the community. God, revive us that we would not keep it to ourselves, but that we would spread your love and your light to those who need it most. You know, we all sang the song as a little kid, right? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. What? No. Hide it under a bushel. No, man, but so many of us are hiding under a bushel. And we got to get out the doors. This card is a simple tool to start praying every day for people in your life that need Jesus. Every day. How often? Every day. Man, so many believers aren't doing this. 
We're not praying. People say, oh man, I've never seen somebody come to Christ. I've never shared my faith. I've never reached out. I say, man, just start here. Start with prayer. Start with prayer. Put down the names of five friends, family members, neighbors, and say, God, I'm going to pray every day. I tell people, put it on your fridge or put it in your Bible, whichever one you open more. Just take, maybe you need to take two cards. I don't know. Listen, we got to pray because when we pray, God moves. The number one way we get plugged into what God is doing is in prayer. David says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Say everything. Everything. So many of us got a small view of God. We got a small view of what God can do. David says the earth is the Lord's, everything in it, the world and all who live in it. He founded upon the seas. He established it upon the waters. You see, the first attribute that I would say is of a revival generation is there's a heart of prayer and a view of worship. It's this view of God that says this is his. Man, I may be here at University of Alabama. I may be here at Auburn. I may be here at Ohio State. I may be here on my high school. But you know what? And it might look like a lost place. It may look like people aren't following God. I may be here at my workplace or in my neighborhood. There may be sin all around. But man, the earth is the Lord's. Everything in it, the world and all who live in it, everywhere my feet step is holy ground because the Spirit of God is in me and I am not alone. It's a perspective. It's a perspective. A.W. Tozer once said, he said, if you could get a snapshot of what people think of when they hear the word God, if you could get a snapshot of what they think of, you could predict with some certainty the spiritual future of that man or woman. How big is your God? How big is your God? When you think of a revival generation, you think of a generation that says, my God can do anything. Man, I think God loves to use young people because they don't know any better. They don't know any better. You see, so many of us, the older we get, the less we believe. I mean, is that the way it should go? I mean, so many young people tell me, Nick, they say, Nick, Christianity is boring. Christianity is boring. Why would you follow that, Nick? Why would you preach it? Why would I want that? I'm like, man, Christianity isn't boring. Your church might be boring. Your parents, they're probably boring. But there's nothing about Jesus that's boring. There's nothing about, I said, I'm like, have you read this book? Have you read this book? Hey, Joshua, go march around that wall for a little bit and then blow some trumpets and yell. What? Hey, Noah, hey, go build a boat. Noah, go build a boat. Can you imagine what Noah's in-laws thought about him? I mean, so many people name their little kid Noah these days, but they don't want him to act like Noah. That guy was crazy. You know what I'm saying? Abraham. Do you guys know Abraham was over 70 years old? When God said to him, Abram, I want you to leave everything and go to the place I will show you later. That is crazy. Go to the place I'll show you later. Man, some of you guys are here and you're like, oh, no, no, I'm at this place where I'm kind of just coasting. No, 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 Abraham was 75. God says, go. I mean, today, 
it, I'm going to be honest, so many people, if their auntie or uncle or grandpa or grandma called them and said, I heard a voice last night. Okay, grandpa. What did the voice say? He said to leave everything and go to the place I'll show you. Man, we would call the home. I want to tell you something. That's something wrong with us. That's something wrong with us. Because it's not something wrong with this. I mean, we need God to move in us and stir in us. I mean, it says worship. David says, the earth is the Lord's, everything in it, the world, and all who live in it. He founded upon the seas. He established it upon the waters. It's worship. It's prayer, number one. Number two is a response of holiness. It's holiness. David says, man, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Says he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false, he or she will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God, his Savior. It's holiness. Number one is prayer and worship. Number two is holiness. The question is, is there something in my life that is standing between me and God. Too many of us have gotten comfortable. God hasn't called you to comfort. He's called you to Jesus. He hasn't called you to safety. He's called you to Jesus. He hasn't called you to preservation. He's called you to Jesus. These young people, man, they need you to pray for them. And they need you to walk with them on this path of saying, come on, let's do this together. Let's dream some God-sized dreams together. Let's change our community together. Let's see what God can do together. How many of you guys believe that something can happen? Man, this isn't the end. This is the beginning. This is the beginning. Let me tell you a couple examples of what this looks like in my life. There's an old friend of mine who came up to me about eight years ago and said, Nick, I believe God's moving in your life. I didn't even know this guy. He said, Nick, I'd like to invest in you. I'd like to be there for you. I'd like to listen to you. I'd like to pray there, pray for you. And you know, last eight years, me and this guy have become like best friends. He's 70 years old. I'm 35. Last year, his wife died. You know, she got ALS and just died really quick. It was awful. But you know what? He's like one of my best friends now. I call him almost every day. His name's Mike. Mike and I are just so different. But man, he invests in me and he believes in me. I want to ask you, who can you be like that too? I mean, who can you be a Mike? I'm going to tell you about another guy that I've known over the last 10 years. A guy named Bob. Say Bob. Bob just passed away last week. Bob was 88. 88 years old. In fact, his grandson's here in the front row. Bob... This guy was a legend. He was a legend. You know, nobody knew Bob from being on stage. I don't know that Bob was ever on a stage anywhere. But Bob would pray every day and say, God, would you use me to reach somebody? Every day. Can you imagine if you started to pray every day, God, would you use me today to reach somebody? You see, it's one thing to pray for those five and say, God, would you do it? It's another thing to put feet to those prayers and start looking. Every day, though, God would answer Bob's prayer. 
In fact, he went to the bus stop. He'd go anywhere. <laughs> He's like, where are there people? And every, almost every day, Bob would lead somebody to Christ. And Bob was this guy who would pray for me and encourage me. And this week, I'm going to get to get up and share the gospel at his funeral. Maybe you can be a Bob, an example for somebody. Tell you another story. There's a lady named Esther. Not the one in the Bible, although that's a great one as well. This one lived in Minot, North Dakota. Esther, man, she was a prayer partner for me. And she would open up her home. She would bake cookies. She would invite over young people to her house. And she would invest in this generation. You can pray, you can invest, and you can go. I'm asking you, will you stand up for the next generation? I'm asking you, will you open a door for the next generation? I'm asking you, will you join in what God is doing in the next generation? Can you say yes this morning? Are you guys in this morning? I'm telling you. But you know, it begins with us being real. It begins with us saying, God, would you use us? David says, it's worship and prayer. It's holiness. The result is revival. The result is revival. When we put God first. When we have a view of who he is, when we keep short accounts with God, and when we go after it, God says through David in Psalm 24 that those people will receive blessing from God, favor from God, freedom from God, and that will be the generation, says such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. That's the generation that we are fighting for today, that we are standing up for today that we are going after it today. Because I want to tell you this generation is on the move. They're on the move. I want to tell you there's never been a better time to be involved in your church. There's never been a better time to give your life to Christ. The church is on the move, and God is working in our day. Last weekend, a girl came up to me. She said, four years ago, I came to an event. I was going to kill myself. Came to the event, friends invited me. I was literally gonna go to the show and then kill myself that night. She said, that night God spoke to me and I surrendered my life to Jesus, Nick, when you were preaching. She said, I went and I was weeping. Some people laid their hands on me, prayed for me. She said, man, God has set me free. He's changed my life. She said, now I'm a small group leader in my local church and there's a revival going on in my church. This is happening all around us. Two weeks ago, a dad came up to me and he said, I'm kind of like Job. I said, what does that mean? (laughs) He said, my life has been a mess. He said, I had one son commit suicide. I had another son got in a car accident and died. My marriage fell apart. In the midst of that, I came to Christ. But my third son has walked away completely. His heart is hard towards God. But he said, I came tonight and God was stirring in my heart. And as you were preaching, I got on Facebook and he said, I've never done this Facebook Live thing, but I got on Facebook Live for the first time and I thought maybe there's somebody who needs to hear this message, went on Facebook Live, which means it's live on the internet. He said, after your message, my son texted me and said, dad, I don't know what you were doing on Facebook Live, but I watched the message. I gave my life to Christ. If you would bring home the devotional booklet because I want to go through it together. God is moving in this generation. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up, and uh, we're going to keep going here. I want you to flip with me to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel 17. 
just because I want to give a picture of this as we're getting, getting ready to wrap the service here and getting ready to invite people to come forward. For Samuel 17, it's a common story. It's David, Goliath. David and Goliath, common story. We've heard it before. Goliath's on one side. Philistines, Israelites are on the other side. It says in 1 Samuel 17 that for 40 days, 40 days, 40 days, Goliath's been taunting the Israelites. 40 days. 40 days of saying, you can't do it. You're nothing. Once you send somebody, come on, one-on-one. We miss it. It's one-on-one, winner take all. It's a big deal. For 40 days, nobody went. It wasn't because there wasn't any good fighters in Israel, by the way. It was because who were they going to risk everything in their hands? I mean, it was a big deal. Somebody goes up there and loses, we are all slaves to the Philistines. That was the proposition put on the table. We miss that a lot of times when we read this. We think, oh man, they just said, let's give David a shot. Why not? No, it was a big deal. 40 days, they're there. 40 days in fear. Sometimes I think this is the church in America. In fear. Afraid of culture. Afraid of politics. Afraid of what I'm hearing on the news. And we're hiding in our foxholes. We're saying, I, we can't do it. We don't know what to do. Oh man, let's just play it safe. Let's save all of our money. Let's just kind of keep everybody here. We just want, we got to be over here. 40, 40 days. 40 days. This is the same people. God had parted the sea for them. You know, God had, you know, provided food from the sky for them. Like, God had like burning bush. This is the people. Those are, these are these people. Not that long later. 40 days. You're nothing. You can't do anything. Hiding. I want to ask you this morning, have you been one of those people? Because this morning, God wants to move you from the foxhole to the front lines. He wants to give you freedom from fear and fill you with faith. And the good news about following Jesus is it's not about trying harder. No, it's about saying yes. God looks for a yes. That's all he's looking for this morning. He's not looking for you to have it all figured out. We try to figure it out. You don't need to figure it out. You just need to say yes. Simple obedience changes history. Simple obedience. God uses the weak and foolish things of the world, like people from North Dakota or people from Birmingham, Alabama. He uses us. He uses us. 40 days, all of a sudden, young David comes along. He sees the giant. He's like, what are we doing? I mean, this is like one of the teenagers from last night, right? He comes in. He's like, what's going on? What are we, are we really, really? We're scared of him. We're scared of him. We can take him. Have we forgotten who our God is? Have we forgotten who our God is? He comes in. He's a normal teenager. He says things you shouldn't say in the church, like, I'm going to cut off your head and feed it to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Like, David, you can't say that in church, David. You know, David, he probably didn't dress right. You know, there's things about teenagers that's messy. But God loves to use teenagers. He loves to use them because when God uses the teenager, he gets all the credit. He gets all the credit. I mean, nobody looks at that little kid come in front and says, oh, it's because of their theological pedigree. No, they look at them and say, is that little Johnny? Is that little Johnny that mooned me last week on the way to school? 
And now he's leading the revival meeting. This is God. This is God. This is God. But David comes up and says, come on, we can take him. Gets to his brothers. His brothers have the gift of encouragement. They say, David, we love you so much. No, they don't. They say, David, you're an idiot. You've been prideful from birth. David's like, what's wrong? I just want to know God. He says, man, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Have we forgotten that? Gets all the way to the king. King looks at David, 1 Samuel 17, right around verse 37. Saul comes to David and says, David, you're a boy. You can't do this. It's wisdom. It's wisdom. David, he is a fighter trained from birth. You're a teenage pipsqueak. This is not a good move. But something happens in 1 Samuel 17. In fact, I would argue that Saul is the hero of 1 Samuel 17 more than David is. Because Saul had more to lose. Saul had more to lose. He's a king. He's worked hard. He's achieved some status. He's got some gray hair to show for it. He's worked to attain something. Here comes young David. Saul, in this moment, is choosing whether he will invest everything to get behind this teenager. I mean, he, Saul is risking everything. Do you guys remember being a kid when you didn't know any better? When you jumped off the top of the playground set because nothing would ever hurt you. Today, if I took you to that same playground set, you're like, I ain't jumping. Young David's there saying, God, God can do this, Saul. God delivered the lion and the bear, and this giant will be just like that. God moves in Saul's heart. Saul sends young David to the battlefield. I'm asking you, wherever your part is, whether you're a door opener or whether you're charged in the field, I'm saying we got to take the ground together. We got to go together. David comes, goes before Goliath. People on the battle lines looking, seeing young David. They're thinking, it's over. We are done. This is it. But David goes full of faith, sent by the whole kingdom, goes and stands and takes down that giant. And it says that the people of Israel let out with a shout. They'd been in hiding. They had been stuck. And all of a sudden, they were propelled forward. Now, I got this ladder up here. Some of you guys have been wondering, why is the ladder here? It's a picture. It's a picture. Today, I believe God wants you to take a step. He wants you to take a step. You see, when you take a step of faith, it's all in. There's no such thing as half in, half out. And so if there's some sin in your life, God wants you to get right with him today. You can't climb a ladder like this. How many of you guys know this is a quick way to die? Okay, you don't do this. No, you go all in. Faith is all in. It's all in. It's all in. But when you follow Jesus in faith, and you take these steps of faith, God will move you, call you, inspire you. Hebrews says he's the author and the perfecter of faith. So again, it's a yes. God, yes in my finances. Yes in my family. Yes in my relationships. But the beautiful thing about saying yes to Jesus is when you move closer to Jesus, it always brings you closer to people who need Jesus. It's not two different steps. There's no such thing as being a, just a comfortable, safe, in the church Christian. That doesn't make any sense. If you are growing closer to Jesus, it will always bring you to people who need Jesus. And if you aren't close to people who need Jesus, then you aren't following Jesus. Man, it is a closer journey. Man, it's God, I want you. I need you, God. Change my heart for what your heart breaks for, God. Lord, help me to invest in the next generation. Help me to get in the trenches. 
Listen, right now I'm going to invite you to bow your heads. Simple invitation this morning. Man, if you're here today and you know, you know that you need God in your heart. Some of you guys are just saying, man, I want to join in. You're like, man, I've been on the sidelines. i got to get in the game. Some of you maybe got some sin in your life. Simple invitation this morning. If you're here today and you're just saying, man, I need Jesus. Some of you need to get right with God today. If that's you, you know you need to get right with God. I just want you to stand up right now. If that's you, you're saying, I need to get right with God. Stand right where you are. I don't want you to think about it. Don't be ashamed. Think of those young people. Think of those young people. If that's you, you're saying, man, there's been some stuff. I need to get right with God. Some of you guys, maybe God's calling you. He's calling you to get out of your comfort. You're a believer. Man, maybe there's no big roadblock in your life, but man, you've just been on the sidelines and you know, you know that God's calling you to more. You're afraid. You don't even know what to do, but you know God's calling you. If that's you, I want you to stand right where you are. You just stand up. You're like, man, I know that I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to get in the game. I'm supposed to get in the game. If that's you, you stand up right where you are. Listen, man, God's looking for people who are just willing to say yes. So say yes this morning if that's you. You're saying, God, that's me right here. That's me. That's me. Some of you guys, maybe you've been giving up on your friends or family member who need Jesus. God has placed lost people in your life. And it's been too long since you've done something about it. God's calling you today to begin a commitment again. To be reminded again that he's not done with them. I want you to stand if that's you. It's your son, it's your daughter, it's your neighbor. You're saying, God's calling me to join him. He's calling me to join him where the people are who need Jesus. I'm going to invite you, all of you who are standing, I'm going to invite you to come to the altar right now. We're just going to have a time of prayer. I'm going to invite pastor to come on up. We're going to pray. Man, we're not a perfect people. We're a people who need a perfect Savior. So I want to invite you to come forward and get some prayer this morning. I want to invite you this morning to experience God's healing touch. Man, God is at work. He is moving, and we're just the people who are saying yes. That's all this is. We're saying, God, yes in our relationships, yes in our purity. God, yes, Lord, would you fill us? I'm just going to lead us in a prayer right now, and we're going to continue in worship just for a little bit longer before Pastor wraps us, but let's just pray together right now all across this place. Just pray with me. Say, Jesus, we need more of you. Fill us with your spirit. Forgive us of our sin. Forgive us for anything that has held us back. We believe you came on a rescue mission. You died on the cross. And you're alive. So fill us up. And send us out into a world that desperately needs you just worship for a little bit as our response got some pastors here they're going to come around and we're going to pray with some people let's just worship a little bit let's just have a song just a